Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a related topic to the problem of evil as we continue to sort of lay foundation before we get into our big questions for this season. And this week is all about free will. And there's quite a lot to discuss here and to to consider because there are many Christians who don't see eye to eye on this and There's theological and philosophical implications to basically all the different positions that get taken on this topic. And so I wanted to lay some groundwork to discuss free will uh, and how it pertains to the problem of evil and and answering it effectively. And so we're going to do that this week. We're going to sort of lay some foundation today, and then we're going to look at three different approaches to free will that Christians have taken and do take uh, with later episodes throughout this week. Now, I'm not a big fan of playing stuff like this super close to the vest, so I'm just going to lay my cards on the table right up front and just say that when it comes to free will, my personal conviction is that I am a full libertarian. I take a complete libertarian approach when it comes to free will because from my perspective, from the study that I've done, from the reading that I've done and the different aspects of all these different possible positions uh, that I've considered, to me, libertarian free will, which by way of definition is just to say that free will is really real and that when we choose to do something, good or bad, that we really could have chosen to do otherwise. We could have chosen something else. And so our choices are ours and how that relates into the gospel and and salvation and what the Bible says about that is going to be a topic that we're going to get into when we cover libertarian free will later this week. Just want to say full disclosure, I am a libertarian. To me, it makes the most sense of why several things seem to be the case. For instance, it makes the best sense to me as to why humans seem to be really, truly accountable uh, for their for their sin. And I want to read just a, a quick passage out of Acts chapter 5 to sort of illustrate this point. Acts chapter 5 begins by saying, But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. And here we go in verse 4. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Now I raise that as an example simply to say that In this passage, the plain face value reading of this passage would seem to suggest that both from Peter's perspective and Luke's perspective, the writer of of this book, that that Ananias and Sapphira were both fully within 
control of these funds uh, right up until the point where they decided to lie, to deceive with them. But from Peter's perspective, he is saying that this was yours. You could have done with this whatever you wanted to do, and you chose to do this. And the implication that's not really a stretch here, because in verse four, he literally gives examples of other things that could have been done. It was at your disposal. You could have kept it that Ananias and Sapphira could have done other than what they chose to do. And now we have a couple issues with that, if that isn't the case, right? If if they could not have done other than what they did, then it's a little bit difficult to understand what exactly is being said in this passage or being implied by Peter, because at most we can just say, well, then Peter does think this, but he's just mistaken. That's not actually how it works, that Ananias and Sapphira didn't have another choice. This was their only choice. But that also means that if that's the case, if they could not have done other than what they did, then basically (laughs) their fate was sealed, right? Because they couldn't have done other than sold it, and they couldn't have done other than kept a piece back, and they couldn't have done other than lie and deceive about it, which means that their deaths aren't really their fault if they didn't have a choice, not really. And so humans in Scripture are consistently held accountable for their own choices, their own sin. That only really makes sense to me if their choices are really theirs. They could have done other. Spiritual beings are also held accountable for their choices, for their sin. We see in passages like uh, Psalm 82 or in Deuteronomy 32 that spiritual beings uh, are punished for their wrongdoing. The angels who sin in Genesis 6 are, uh, according to Jude and, and Peter in Second Peter, are chained up. They are being punished eternally for what happened in Genesis 6. And Satan himself is going to be punished eternally for his rebellion when it's all said and done in the book of Revelation. And so spiritual beings, uh, likewise with humans, are also held accountable. Human society functions as if free will is real. We punish criminals as if they're responsible for what they did, as if they could have done other than what they did. We treat people all the time as if they have choice. And so, again, face value, common sense approach to life in general, and what seems to be the case in Scripture is that everyone acts as if libertarian free will is real, and I just frankly don't see enough evidence to to, to go against what just seems like is the case. Now, part of the reason for that also ties into the problem of evil because, frankly, if free will is off the table, if we really don't actually have free will, then we also really have no coherent answer or or compelling answer to the problem of evil. If people can't choose other than what they do, then it really becomes difficult to explain why God would allow all the evil in the world, because essentially God's responsible for it at that point. And we're right back into the logical problem of evil, like I I mentioned on that episode last week. So uh, it is important, it's really important that we have this discussion and that we think through free will. Uh, So this week we're going to examine three different approaches to free will, and we're going to look at the pros and the cons uh, of, of all of them so that you can make up your own mind. Because listen, I'm not here to try and convince everyone to think exactly like me. Uh, I am going to do my best, even for positions that I disagree with, to 
steel man them rather than straw man them. In other words, to present their best foot forward as much as I can. Uh, and then to look at some, some downsides, some cons or things to consider uh, for all of these positions, including my own. And hopefully you'll be able to have a well-rounded approach there and then come to, come to your own conclusions. So I hope you'll stick around this week as we dive into free will.